You are now tuned in to the Worldwide Underground. My name is Gabriel Teodros. This is a completely independent experiment in storytelling. Every week or so, bringing you a new episode. The different guest or a mosaic of voices, if you go back to the first episode of this podcast. This is episode number five. But we're going back all the way to the beginning. What I had intended to be the first episode of this podcast was a conversation with my brother Kings. If you know my history in music, you may know a group called Abyssinian Creole. It's the longest healthy relationship I have in music and in life, really. Me and my brother Kings have been making music together and in each other's orbits, really since the late 90s, we formed this crew called Abyssinian Creole around maybe 2001, 2002, somewhere in there, and have just been a part of each other's lives and music ever since. We put out our first group album way back in 2005. It was a record called Sexy Beast, produced by Till Duville. And uh, earlier this year, We dropped two solo albums on the same day that are a part of each other. A safe place for us from the ashes of our homes. Both of these album titles have taken on a new meaning. As the genocide in Gaza unfolds, as more and more people are becoming aware of the ongoing atrocities in the Congo and Sudan. And um, yeah, this week felt right especially with Brother Ali's podcast. Shout out to Brother Ali coming out. Where Ali interviewed me about my album. It only felt right that I shine a light on Kings in his record the same week. Because they truly are a part of each other. Before we get into it, I want to take a moment to thank every single person out there who subscribes to Worldwide Underground on the Substack. Your subscription is what makes this experiment in long-form storytelling possible. Appreciate you all so very much. This is a completely independent venture, completely powered by the listeners. So if you love this podcast, sign up. GabrielTeodros.substack.com And support what you love, you know? also want to shout out my brother Kings for making all of the music that you're going to hear and that you are hearing on this episode, including the music I'm talking over. These are all beats he produced for his new album, A Safe Place for Us. With no further ado, let's get into the conversation. Hey, hey, it's the Worldwide Underground. I'm here with my brother Kings. Yo. and We are revisiting the first episode that uh, I recorded for this podcast the story behind this episode is that we recorded this right after releasing both of our new records. Um, we released these albums together. My record was called From the Ashes of Our Homes. Khalil's record is a safe place for us. And, um, you know, with everything popping off in Palestine, it, it, it really felt like a moment where I wanted to respond to the time. So I did something different with the first few episodes of this podcast. And 
now that we're like a month and a half into this, you know, just horrible atrocities is happening in Gaza. Um, both of these albums have come to mean something different, I think, to both of us. And before we give you all the original episode, I wanted to ask you a question now, Khalil, now that, you know, it's like a month and a half or two months since we originally had this conversation. Um, what does the album mean to you now? A safe place for us. That is a good question. Yeah, because it, it's changed a lot. You know, like, right. originally the idea was how can I be... It, it's changed a lot and it hasn't changed at all. Because it mm -hmm. was like a safe place for the people that I care about. Right? And how can I be a part of making that safety? You know? Um, something I've been thinking about ever since we were having those men's groups, you know, like when we're like, okay, well, technically, a lot of times we are the danger in our community, you know? So, how can we then be the safety? It seems like it should just be a choice, you know what I mean? And like building off of that, but also like how much life can get in the way of you being your best self and how you can get in the way of that through guilt and shame and all of these things. I think in the wake of this like genocide, mm -hmm. it's still me asking how can I create safety for others, but it's, it has definitely widened the scope beyond just the people I know and care about. You know, yeah. it's become, it's both, it's, and it's both of these names, both of these names. Like when I first was, when I first realized how like, like from the ashes of our homes, while I'm watching these buildings fall down, you know yeah. what I mean? And I'm yeah. thinking about like that and then a safe place for us. I was like, It definitely has me asking how can I how can I create safety in this world. Um, it also has me feeling connected. Like, damn, these are things that we all really kind of want. And rebuilding yeah. out of the ashes is something like is kind of like almost central to like most of the people that I love. You know. Yeah. That's um, right. But I think it added a sense of urgency to it too. You know. Yeah. I think yeah. there's like this like this feeling of like I do, you know, I want to work to make the, the the world a better place in soft ways, but like right now I just really need a safe place for the, for someone. I just need them to be safe. Yeah. Like and I'm just like I just basic safety. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like Yeah, it it, it feels more urgent now. Yeah, absolutely. You've you've really been like on point and outspoken about Palestine since the beginning of your career, you know, 2001. Going all the way back. Yeah. Going all the way back to Mi Vida Negra. And I know there's songs that, you know, that I've heard that the public haven't heard, <laughs> you know, and you have a line on this album too, um, on Pot from Potholes. Oh yeah. They stole my land like Israelis. So I yeah. oh, that pal I'm in the sky, they stole my land like Israelis, so I never will. It feels amazing. No, it feels ungrounded. 
it feels like I remember saying something, being invaded by space and playing, praying for the earth to save me. But if my mind is clouded, but my own hands, can she seek to claim me? Take her to the garden. Uh, yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole line was just like originally just about feeling like you can't ever touch down. Like I like I've been floating around and everything, and uh, and then uh, and then of course, obviously, it's that meaning has changed again you know i first i first yeah. got finding out about the struggle of palestinian people in 2001 at the world conference against racism in south africa when i got to go out there is one of those like key points of my politicization or whatever you know there was the student liberation action movement you know, i'll say before that you are yes in the student liberation action movement in new york which i was just adjacent mm -hmm. to then there was um, this, and then I would say, um, um, the Filipino homies. Yeah. As they were, as they became more and more organized. Um, yeah. I started really, these things started showing me how like struggles are connected worldwide and like what you do here matters for what happens over there. And, um, and so it's been a, it's been a key part of of who I am and the idea of trying to be a man that I can respect has been my learning about and my like involvement with trying to create a free Palestine you know, and safety for Palestinian people. It's been, it is weird. It's weird because I don't even think about that, but it's been a core part of my like growth as a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I see it. I hear it. I appreciate it. I'm there with you, you know, um, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that before going back to the original episode. Yeah, you know? yeah, I appreciate that. That was a that was a good moment to reflect. Yeah, for sure. So let's get into the let's get into the OG conversation that we had a couple months ago <laughs> about a safe place for us right here on the Worldwide Underground with my brother Kings. To offer my own pin, split my vision, sell division in as I go. Split my head on beast to seek the wisdom that I strive for. Besides the lightning of the rhyme flow, or thunder of the live show. I write like it's twilight and Micah knows when life at home is writers who want your life to write your wrongs of another life. Hustle changed my vision, but those missions have a fucking price. Division my city can't get icky when you run with signs. We've been calling vines, his minds was calling eyes. Who qualifies for homicide? That's all alive when pockets light. I rip the eye right out your socket, you can't process life. I put your mind inside a rocket, now it's lost from sight. Your aim is shaky like the office, and I'm God to white. I guard the spice. Spark, I leave you wetter than aquatic life. Breakfast just better with the garlic rice. 
Longanisa is my hardest vice. My Mona Lisa thinks my heart is ice. That failure eats me daily. Try not to George Bailey. Pal, I'm in the sky. They stole my land like Israelis. So I never will. It feel amazing. No, it feels ungrounded. Like I'm invaded by space and pray for Earth to save me. But if my mind is clouded by my own hand, can she seek to claim me? List the beat and bring her to my garden where she eats my babies. Chronic dice, roll a eye alone. I said it for her. Cause I don't care if your average ass can't catch a metaphor. Or what you think that rap is better for? Who entertained me? Who intertwined the life of crime and gang beef within the eye to plane beach or plane shift? Then lane shift, holding bigger arms than saying geese. Not you. You're on Twitter to engage sheep with gossip. Black or not, it's rotten. I'm the one like Akhenaten, an architect of an art forgotten in apartments plotting to kill a narcissist and in part for content. I'm live to spark the comments. I'm live, I guess, a showbiz. My vibe is on vibe beside Night and Brodus. If you thought you was that guy, ugh, my condolence. I prefer to have victims. I don't like opponents. Should get a sentence for this sentence, but they won't find your components. All who wander are not lost. Hope your wonder is not lost. Know the thunder is not far. Every summer has some cost. All who wander are not lost. Hope your wonder is not lost. Know the thunder is not far. Every summer has some. Yeah. Right off top, how many how many albums do you think you have recorded? Oh, like never recorded? Heard. That the world's never heard. Never heard? Yeah. Uh, I'll probably say like 30, 31, 32 around there. That's wild. Yeah. Do you do you think you'll release some of them? Like what's... Um, I, I, pieces of them, yeah. Like I've had little like songs from here and songs from there go to other projects. Um, yeah. But like as a whole, I don't think so. I think like yeah. a lot of those I made, I think maybe like maybe one or two of them. Definitely. One of them. Definitely. Cause I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can like, okay. I might, I might, I might put one out for like all the people that got safe place or something and just send it to them for free or something. Dope. I asked that question off top because I don't think people understand just how prolific you are. Like they'll look at my, my discography and be like, dang, you like never stop. But I look at you and I'm like, I'm not even like, <laughs> I haven't even written half the albums this guy has, like not even half, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's my main form of like entertainment. It's how I relax. Like, you know, like I don't feel like I have to make just one kind of song or like, mm -hmm. I don't have to like, I don't have to fit a mold when I'm making songs, but I do feel to a certain extent they have to fit somewhat what's expected of me for me to put them out, if that mm. makes sense. Mm. So I might be sitting in my room one day and it's like, like I was sitting in my room smoking this shit. And like, I was like, uh, it'd be really cool to do like a MF doom style, like five song EP where I'll make all the beats. There'll be like loops from different, like sixties spy movies or something. And the whole storyline will be a kid in Lakeshore Village, aka Lake Washington Apartments, who, like, say, in my world, Doom didn't like get sick. He got mm. defeated by a superhero, and he like detonated himself and took him and the hero out. But his mask like flew out of the sky, landed in the projects, and this oh, kid wow. finds the mask, puts it on, and is like, "Yo, he's like, he's now the Lakeshore villain." And so he comes out, and I got like five songs that are this kid becoming like. 
this villain and getting downloaded all this information from MF Doom's brain that was inside of his mask. You know what I'm saying? Whoa. But like, please put it, that it, out. <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't sound like anything I normally do, you know, and people are weird. So and I don't want to, I don't want to like ruin the enjoyment of the record by putting it out. <laughs> oh man. You're just teasing us. Uh, the Lakeshore villain. Oh man. That's wild. That's wild. Because I, I feel can. like I feel like a lot of our conversations are me kind of pushing you to put more music out. <laughs> like, no, I feel I appreciate you, bro, because it, it, it is definitely the most difficult part of uh, being an artist for me is the releasing of the the actual art. Yeah, why is that? Um, it's it's always such a negative feeling for me. Like I feel like yeah. oh, it didn't get heard, or I feel like it's I don't know, like mm-hmm. I um. I'm not a social person. Social things in general come with a lot of anxiety for me, you know? Yeah. And there's just like making music in my living room is like the funnest thing, but putting it out, it does, it does. It stresses me out. So like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I don't, I haven't figured out how to prepare for it. Like live shows stress me out, but I know how to prepare for that. I know how to like, I break a song down, how I want to perform it perform it a bunch of different times in different ways in my living room until I find one that really feels good. And then I like mm-hmm. rehearse it a bunch with me or whoever I'm performing with uh, the band or whatever. And then I perform mm-hmm. it and I see how well it works. And then I come back and I tweak it again. I have like a full process and having that process kind of like yeah. takes some of the anxiety out. Like I feel more prepared. I feel like I'm also having more fun. I'm taking this thing that, that yeah. like kind of feels like out of my character to be standing in the middle of the room and I'm, I'm putting it back into the way that I look at the world. I, I turn it into a math problem, <laughs> you know, essentially. Yeah. And, and then like, yeah. I enjoy breaking this problem down and looking at it from different angles and like all kinds of stuff. And when I get on stage, it's not so much like, it doesn't feel so much like people are just staring at me. It feels like the next stage in the experiment of, that I've been doing this whole time, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Field testing. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was gonna ask too about your your evolution with um, performances because you you know been on a lot of tours at this point. You've toured in countries I haven't even touched yet. Word, you know right. what I mean? And um, and I feel like I've watched your process with performing change a lot. I remember there was a time period where you just didn't like performing. You know what I mean? And then and going back to like our early days with Abyssinia and Creole, like we used to never rehearse, but when we got ready for this show, for our, our release party that just happened a few weeks ago, like you produced the whole show. Like you had a whole vision in mind with how to like, you know, put our two albums together and present them. And uh, yeah, it was dope. It was dope to do a show with somebody where I kind of felt produced, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope I didn't overstep though. <laughs> not at all, not at all. No, it was it was totally like collaborative and stuff. And yeah, it was it was tight. But yeah, just like how how has that like evolution, you know? Yeah, I think happened. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, when we first started out, I really didn't like performing. Right. And so like I didn't want to rehearse because I didn't want to think about the performance because it stressed me out. <laughs> right and then mm-hmm. consequently i wouldn't know any of my lyrics so i was just known for freestyling at the shows all the time and eventually it was like a couple things it was like one just repeatedly hearing people say i really wish i could rap along with you 
like okay i want to do that for you like Mm -hmm. i know that Mm -hmm. feeling it's a great feeling let me do that for people and like make a freestyle section of the show but fucking rap the lyrics (laughs) yeah the lyrics on the album yeah Yeah. so that takes that takes practice it's not because i don't get it just by listening to it i will eventually but it can take me years to know all the lyrics of a song just by listening to it like normally because i'm i'm like i'm so into the moods and the feelings that i'm getting out of the song that i'll say a line and then immediately start thinking about how that shit made me feel and then like come back in later on on a different line you know what i'm saying and like those ones in the middle mm-hmm. i got it. it takes me time so i got so i can have those feelings about those different um parts so i gotta i gotta practice and then um i was yeah. in this band called Express. And we did a lot of touring. We went to Europe. We went all across Canada. We did, we did uh, not all of us, but did like half of the United States. Um, and I realized that my negative feelings about being on stage and like just kind of like the way the anxiety was hitting me uh, was having a negative effect on everybody, you know. Mm. And um, it's only those things when you when you realize like. We, in a band like that, and like most groups, like our group, you know, like it's everyone's leading at some point. And if you don't recognize the places where you're leading, then you can be really detrimental. You know, everyone's mm. going to do it. So you would just have to hunker down and be like, no, this is this is a place where people are looking to you for leadership. And you can tell because your negative feeling is now infused the whole band and no one is as excited to play. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. while I might be able to, I can push through that to get to this thing, especially if you didn't feel it before, it can be a lot. It can be, it's a heavy feeling. You know what I mean? So like, I think mm-hmm. that pushed me to want to rearrange how I perform, but I didn't really have any ideas of like how to attack it, how to make it something that I liked. And then, um, and then I saw Kim Mortal perform at, um, yeah. at Redgate this one time up in Vancouver. And like, they, like everything from their, the way they dress to the and it's like it sounds so simple like obviously but it's like their dress their their background like they had a video in the background that math and like it they turned it into an art piece the actual performance itself was the art piece and mind you i know performance art is a thing for a very mm-hmm. long time but i always just thought of myself and still do primarily think of myself as a writer not a performer right. you know and so i just kind of like push through the performance to like a commercial to get people to hear what I wrote. But then watching that, I was like, yo, this can really enhance the experience of like listening to music. Like when I, not just in the venue, but after that, whenever I listened to that album, those images were associated Mm -hmm. with these different songs. And it just had me thinking about the song and feeling something a little more. I felt like, and I was like, yeah. I really appreciate that about Kim Mortal. And like, yeah, I tell him all the time, man, like you, uh, you like really re- like not even rekindled, but kindled for the first time. I love a performing like in my, yeah. like, I'm thinking like, I was like, what, in my thirties or something? Maybe I was already in my forties. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. so like, it's like, it's crazy. Like I've been doing this shit since like my junior year of high school, I've been on stage and I'm right. just now getting it. But it sometimes it just takes that kind of inspiration and like, and self-reflection i guess yeah and also i think like as we as we get older um 
just the way we think about our art and craft and the way we see the world just evolves and changes. Yeah. And, you know, you realize that like, oh yeah, I don't just have to rap in bars and clubs. It, you know, right. like it can be, a, it could be a performance arts piece. Like this can be in a museum or this can be in a theater. Yeah, or, exactly. Or this, or this could be theater, you yeah. know, like. And even if yeah. it isn't a bar, I don't, I can, I can make it that, you know what I mean? And that mm -hmm. kind of thing, um, that, that has helped me start really, enjoying the process of being of going through like performance and like seeing myself more as a performance artist and looking at the performance as an extension of whatever art I'm making. Sometimes I want it to be an extension of this particular piece. And sometimes yeah. I want it to be an extension of the, as everything as a whole, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, man, I like smoking and thinking about things and this new approach <laughs> gives me this is this, all these things to think about and like yeah so it's been really good shout out kim mortal shout out kim mortal <laughs> yeah no, for real that's that's dope um i wanted to ask you a question about your journey with freestyles too oh for yeah people that people that have known you forever like you are you're one of those rare mcs that i feel like your freestyles are often as sharp as your pen i appreciate and that's that. so and that's so rare you know um how did your journey with freestyles begin and how have you managed to stay sharp? Um, I thought that's how you rapped. Like the idea, so it was it was Fresh Prince, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Parents just don't understand. First mm -hmm. song I ever heard that made sense to me <laughs> as a kid. I was like, oh, this is about, this is the realest shit I ever heard. Because yeah. everything else is a love song and I never been in love. All I know is they don't love whoever they love the way I love my mom. And that's the love I know. So like, I'm like, this don't even make sense to me, but right. this parents just don't understand. I was like, bro, my mom's literally from a different country. <laughs> like, that is like crazy. So I'm like, all right, word that I felt that, you know? So I just, yeah. but I didn't, I was like, I was like in second or third grade or something. Right. So I don't know. I, I didn't know you wrote things down. Did I know how to write? I don't know. I might have been learning cursive at that point. I probably had a couple, you know, I don't, who knows? I, I don't remember exactly how old I was. Mm -hmm. So I just like, you must just, just say it. So I looked around the room and I just started making sentences that rhymed about the things that I saw. Yeah. And like, that's kind of how it started. And like, I, I swear, bro, it wasn't until middle school that my, my friend, Dom, this kid, Dominic Lopez, he was writing mm -hmm. lyrics. <laughs> like I was, it's one of those things are so obvious, but I looked over and I was just like, what you writing? Oh, like this little rap. You can write them down. Yeah. <laughs> you can write them down. <laughs> wow. I just figured so, you wrapped it and then you listened to it over and over again, and that's how you learned your lyrics. So, as a little kid, you were freestyling for how many years before you before you Wrote realized? Oh you man, it, man, at least like at least six or seven. Dang, yeah, so before I wrote anything now, yeah, Dominic Lopez, shout out to him. Yo, yeah, shout out. That's that's funny. I had an opposite trajectory. I definitely was writing raps before I ever freestyled in front of. That's anybody. probably a good way to go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all of my first, all of my first songs gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all my like, first songs are gone too, but oh, for different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> had oh, a house word, word, right? <laughs> it's the album. <laughs> Yeah, had a whole house fire. <laughs> yeah. Lost it all. Um, man, that's ill. That's ill. So 
how so with your writing i know that you um i know that you also write songs in your head like how is how is your evolution with writing gone from that point you know from, Man, from dominic uh, lopez to you know yeah to this well balance of freestyling and writing you know yeah i i think uh first of all to, to answer the last part of that question joy is what keeps me freestyling i enjoy what? freestyling the things that I want to be good at, I try to link to something, some to my own joy in some kind of way. And I find that I stay mm-hmm. consistent on the things that bring me joy. Um, Love that. With this, with like writing like that, um, I don't know, man, sometime in our 20s, I started getting kind of scholarly with it and like wanting to do all kinds of different experiments, like from changing everything I listen to. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, okay, I'm not going to listen to any rap. I'm only going to listen to any, any genre of music, but it can't be rap or R&B and it has to be by people of color. Right? Yeah. So I did that for like a couple years just to see how that would affect the way that I like, uh, I searched for music, I appreciated music and then the effect it had on me as I was writing. Yo, after I, after I, not to cut you off, but uh, after I discovered Freestyle Fellowship, like, you know, when I was in high school, I did that shit with jazz for a while. I was like, no oh, rap. Word. Only jazz. Can yeah, I rap you gotta like do these, it, bro. Yeah. Can I rap like these instruments? Because yeah. cause Mike, Micah 9 had that much of an influence on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shout out Micah 9, fool. Yeah. yeah, bro, I did the same thing. And it, it yeah. was also because of Micah 9, man. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, his, he, he's like a horn. Exactly, this dude. And so I was just like, man, how do I, how do I pick up on these like cadences and these styles? I said, well, shit, listen to the shit he listened to. So I, man, I, I got to mm-hmm. do all that. Plus, it was a way that I could like bomb with my dad. Like, mm-hmm. um, after we got reconnected and whatever, we would sit and listen to jazz together. Mm-hmm. That's so it dope. was tight. It was tight. That's dope. Yeah. What, what were we talking about? You got to. Oh, I'm smoking. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 I had asked you about. Uh, Oh, like yeah. writing in my head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah so like things got scholarly and I just yeah. thought, well, what effect would, you know, especially like being a Jay and a big fan and like a couple other cats like mm-hmm. remember Wayne said, I don't even write this stuff down. I was like, damn, Wayne, you don't write it either. <laughs> I was like, I wonder what it sounds like. I wonder if it would change anything. So uh, I remember the first time I wrote a song with no, without writing it down and just memorizing it, it was over mm-hmm. the... Um, Cameron had a beat. He had a song that he did over this Kanye West. Down, down. Boodoo dookie, banookie. You know how you be rapping? Super bookie, with movie. Yeah, and uh, but I rapped over that. I had that instrumental and I was just playing it in my mini disc player. Mini disc player. That's back in the just day walking, right there. I was walking by the lake underneath I-90. Okay. And I was just like, um, just like just trying to get it and it was kind of weak but i was it was tight i was tight and i realized it sounded different because when i'm writing it down i don't have to do it i don't have to make any concessions to my memory yeah but when i'm doing it on my head the Mm -hmm. memory's king if i can't remember it i literally i can't i don't have it it's gone you know what i mean and i felt like my brain remembers things when the sounds link or there's an idea or something that links them together in a certain way or if there's a similar rhythmic pattern, mm-hmm. I can, uh, my, my mind will hold on to it better. So like, yeah. like the song Yachty button that I'm doing, I wrote that in my head and Dumb. you know, it's like, it's like, dun, 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 dun. 
it's like the same kind of cadence over it because it's at that those stick in my head mm-hmm. that's dope i feel like i feel like you can even tell the difference when people write in their head versus on pen because it's like it's the same with freestyle and it's like yeah it's like the verses are in your body as a as opposed to just up here you know? yeah Yes, that's a that's a that is a wonderful way of putting because like the the rhythm to it, everything mm-hmm. to it, yeah, it's 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 a more physical thing as opposed to like writing it down like pot from potholes on my album. I wrote that down, and you can tell it's like it's dense. There's lots yeah. of like metaphors yeah. going this way and that way, and then if you put them together, it means something different. And like you know, what I'm saying like yeah, yeah. I think I think for the longest time I've been trying to because I don't write in my head. That's a that's a skill I've never worked on, you know. But when I do write, I I'm trying to capture a freestyle. Like I want it to I want it to feel like it's in my body and not super mm-hmm. in my head, you know. But yeah, it's a challenge, you know. You should try it, bro. You should just like on like one verse, just be like, yeah, let me write this whole verse in my head, report yeah. it, and just see how you feel about it. Yeah, I should it's, do that. Yeah. I should do that. Just for yeah. fun, though, like no pressure. Don't pressure yourself. Just oh just yeah, no, no, of course. I know um, Thig Nat from the Physics. That's how he does everything too. Yep, it was a trip like writing with him because I remember I remember you, me, and Thig had a session back in like 2008. I think it was like New Year's Eve or something. And you and me pulled out our pads, and this guy stood in the corner. And, like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he just wrapped himself. <laughs> until he's done like it was wild i never seen yeah. anyone do that you know yeah i mean i love big bro yeah like me he's, too <laughs> he's one of my favorite in the town man and it's like it's not even like oh it's super impressive that you don't write it down but the the fact that he doesn't write it down yeah. is a lot why it sounds like that it's always so smooth like bro like ugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 nah man he's he's phenomenal I don't think Definitely. people realize how like I know I know I know the cats who know are like yo Thig is the guy you know what I'm saying yeah. I don't I feel like people don't really know like it's just it's so smooth that some things are sliding right past them like no nah, man this guy is so barred in yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no Thig is amazing the physics are amazing like that's my favorite Seattle group I was so happy that they came together for our show. Like, Yo, that was so fire! That was so yeah. fire. Yeah, and they just ran and they just ran through classics. Like that was amazing. Uh, man, let's talk. Let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about the new record. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, safe place for us. I mean, I guess I got to talk a little bit about my record too. Yeah, because, you do. <laughs> because um, so I'd been working on this album for. Man, to be honest, I started this album in 2020, the one that became From Ashes of Our Home. Mm. It was before the pandemic. It was before we started losing people left and right. And for a lot of various reasons, that album had to get put on hold, you know, but I still had like an album worth of instrumentals that I was just kind of sitting on. And um, yeah, and I realized at some point earlier this year that if I'm the only person that's waiting for me, I'm never going to get this done. And you had asked me kind of like, I don't even remember if it was a text or or when you asked me, but you were like, can you please finish this album? Because I need something to listen to. <laughs> and when you said that, I, re- like, I realized like you'd probably be the perfect person. I realized like on all my previous efforts, like I've always had a producer, 
another person in a group, somebody who was waiting on me to finish a thing. And that yeah. and that was really important. Like that helped me finish the thing. With this, it was just me. I realized like I needed someone out there to expect something from me. So I asked you if you'd be my my accountability partner on this record. And uh can you just expect me to send you work every Sunday? Yeah. And, uh, and uh and I don't know if that was the beginning of this album or if you had started working on these. Oh songs yeah, no, before. that was the definitely the beginning. It, it was, I think it was like we're like two Sundays in. Yeah. And I was just like, man, this is fire. I want to send him something. And the crazy <laughs> thing is, I had literally just finished a record. Right. I had just finished it. And I was like, yeah. And I still like it. And I still still go to that's the one I'm thinking about. Like, I gotta put this out. Maybe I'll send it for free or something. Dope. But um put it out, bro. Just put it out. Yeah. Like, sorry, I definitely man. got to. So and like yeah. it was a I, I I produced a couple tracks on it and the rest is like off of YouTube or whatever, but um it was like I made it for fun, but I really liked it. So I had Doom mix it and everything. And um Nice. But man, these songs were coming back and like I was just like, yo, this is this is dope. And it just I was like, man, like it was it was it was specifically because you're evoking this time that we kind of were going through and had been through. And like all these feelings came up. And then I had all I had verses. I had a bunch of random verses that yeah. were out there. Some of them like were on my YouTube or on YouTube on the like my IG that I did like when I do those little verse things in front of this wall. <laughs> and like um Yeah. And uh I was gonna compile all those together anyway. But when I got that, I was like, man, I kinda wanna like also delve into the things that happened during that time. Because mm -hmm. I, I kind of realized I was still kind of running from a bunch of they like specifically Rafa. And like, you know, and I was like, man, and I'm like, I don't know, I'm dragging myself down a little bit. And so I was like, yo, let me start sending you stuff. And I literally started from that moment, like making new beats That's and like dope. matching up those verses and then writing another verse and another verse and so on and so forth. Some of the songs are a little older. I pulled up yeah. some older songs from older from other projects that I knew I wasn't going to put out. But mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It's dope. And it became a, and the process was so dope because it became a conversation, right? Where like, yeah, you were definitely responding to stuff on my album. And I started, <laughs> yeah. and I started responding to stuff on your album. Yeah. Like you could, you could hear me referencing a safe place throughout several songs, mm -hmm. which is so dope because that's, I actually needed, I think I needed that focus. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I, like, like, I start the album like channeling the trauma of like running from this fire and like going, like seeing Ethiopia and, and Tigray and war and all this. And mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if I had the focus of like, we actually need a safe place now. <laughs> like you, you kind of gave me that focus. I feel that. Know, that's what's getting, up, tight. Of, of how to, of how do I get to a safe place for us? Cause that's clearly mm -hmm. what, what we need, you know? So, right. Yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I had. People, I hope people listen to both projects and catch, me too, like, bro. I really catch the way, catch the way they're 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 communicating with each other. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this last night. I was like, man, you know, like both of our albums, we start off alone and we end together. Right. Yeah. 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 Because we're both uh, together on the last joints. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I was just know. like, yo, that's that's ill as fuck. <laughs> I was like, man, that's like the perfect intro for like an Ab Creole album. It's like, we was out doing all these things, you know, we, we was were. doing stuff and we the reconnected and yeah. we like, boom, put these things together, but we're still kind of in our own space. So we do these two different albums. Right. And then, and then, but at the end of both of them were together. Yeah. And that's, I was like, man, I really want to put out like work on 
our next record and be like, that's yo, because that it's such a it's such a good it's such a beautiful story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's next for sure, man. I'm excited about it too. Um, yeah, you heard it here first. If no, you probably heard it at the show. If you were at the show, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Abyssinian Creole records on the way. Um, I'm trying to think about how to word this question. So I, you know, 42 years old right now. You know, yeah still making hip hop music, still putting out records. Um, and I feel like, I feel like for hip hop artists in our forties, we don't have a lot of examples of what it's like to age gracefully and still, you know, remain an artist that's not like stuck in our past, you know, but still mm-hmm. like evolving and pushing ourselves and, and, but also, you know, on some adult, like we're also a big homie to a lot of people. We're parents, you know, how, how have you navigated and how do you feel about like aging with hip hop? You know? Um, that's a good question. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say aging in general, I have a, um, I feel like a interesting, not, not unique, but just interesting like relationship with it. Like a lot of, a lot of, especially like um, black men from my generation, you know, wasn't really expecting to be this old. And like, I really went out of my way <laughs> to like not reach this point. Mm. So there's a lot of gratitude and like maybe like a sense of like obligation to use my life for something. Yeah. There's there's that. And and so it's like it's kind of a mix between like that that every day is a gift feeling once I got over the terror of living past 22 or living mm-hmm. to 22, um, just sort of like every day is like a, a gift kind of thing. And I really want to use it to like, sort of like honor all the cats that aren't here doing anything, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. That affects the way I look at aging in hip hop, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have found while I ha- I'm not so much the crusader for like, a particular kind of hip hop culture like I was when I was younger. Um, I have learned to sort of take joy in the, the, the multiplicity of forms of this music that I love. Mm-hmm. And that joy means that I have been able to be inspired by drink in and love music uh, by every single generation of artists that has come before, with, and after me. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm not gonna like everybody, but like, mm-hmm. I like something of every new thing that is ever every every kind of rap out there. There is something and some artists in there that I dig. You know yeah. what I mean? I like. Uh, I really like how it. Like it's like this organic thing, and it opens up and goes to all these subgenres, and then they come back together. They're like lungs breathing. And I think mm. as a person aging in hip hop, the thing that I have um, really found exciting is just the ability to see and grow with it and have this 20 plus what year looking like I was born the same year the first record was ever came out. It was a bunch of niggas biting, but it's still that's the first time a record came out like that. You know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying? So like and I'm like, that's literally I'm literally the same age, you know what I'm saying, as hip hop as essentially an industry. You know what I mean? So like it's interesting to be able to see 
this throughout my whole life and the way that I'm looking at it based off of where I am in that process. Also, like a lot of my elders when I was like, even in high school, but definitely in my 20s, were really bitter and really Mm -hmm. just bitter and like hurt, you know? Yeah. And I felt like some of that hurt was definitely, um, a lot of that hurt was definitely really valid, you know, Mm -hmm. as like those generations trying to put music out there, this kind of music into Seattle, um, they were, they were used, um, mocked and, uh, just generally got just treated like shit. Like this isn't a rap town. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to where. Like, I feel like it was like that for us in the beginning. And like during our come up is when hip hop in Seattle popped. And it's like, oh, yeah, we do rap. And it stopped being a thing that mm-hmm. people were either ashamed of or like, you know, mock you for. You know what I'm saying? It became like people finally had pride in being from their city. You know what I'm saying? And they didn't before that, I felt. Uh, I, re- I remember I remember there was a shift in 2005 where like. I feel like before that, whenever we had shows, we was just performing for other rappers. Yep. And at some point in 2005, like that moment where you were talking about people were coming up to you saying they want to rap along with your lyrics. Like, yeah, I I remember in 05 looking out at the crowd and being like, wait, I don't know these people and they know my lyrics. That's crazy. Like that's crazy. (laughs) That didn't happen before, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that, 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 um, I mean, there's a lot of factors. There's everything mm-hmm. that Tribal did. There's everything For that sure. uh, that um, Jossiri. Ja- yeah, Jossiri um, mm-hmm. did. But like when it was like Mass Line and um, mm-hmm. and um, Sport and Life, Sport and Life, bro. Like that yeah. era, like specifically like but uh, D Black, um, mm-hmm. um, Grinch Two, and the Blue Scholars. There's there's there was a there was a energy around them yeah. that I feel like gave everybody in the city something to be like, oh, I fucks with that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. one of those three artists, if not all of them, you know what I'm saying? And it just, it kind of grew and we all kind of, you know, Spaceman had moved up. So like, there was just all of this energy coming at, coming at that. So you're dropping, we're dropping, we're doing these things. And I feel like that helped it pop. Um, also, I think like, I think it was the suburb kids first too. They really got mm. onto it. When yeah. I when I when we first started doing those shows, it was a lot of kids from like Linwood and and Federal Way and like you know what I'm saying like all these Kirkland even you know what I mean like a lot of yeah. kids from from kind of actually out of town coming in for these shows. I hadn't even thought about that aspect of it, but yeah, you oh, might yeah, be right. Was, I feel yeah, like one, it was one of the one of the moments where I felt like I knew it was going to change. I've told this story a lot, but like. uh recording with Gio um, for his song on, or not his song, but uh, the Elixir, his feature on uh, the right, Abyssinian right. Creole record. We was driving to Teal's house to record and uh, <laughs> we switched CDs in the car and the radio was on KXP, but it wasn't a Sunday. It wasn't, it wasn't street sounds. Uh-huh. And, and uh, a Blue Scholar song came on. It was the Inkwell. And it was the first time that Gio had ever heard himself on the radio when it wasn't like, when he didn't know he was about to hear himself on the radio, you know, right, what I mean? right, and it wasn't the rap specialty show. Like I remember, it was that. just a show. Yeah, it was just a variety yeah. show. You know, yeah, that was yeah, that was and, yeah, that's the moment. <laughs> yeah, and like we just stopped, like whoa, and I'm looking at Gio, like, is this the first time you've heard yourself like like this? And like I witnessed it, you know. Um, I remember I, I, 
me and him talked about it recently and he was like, yo, you said that day that things were going to change. I felt, cause I felt like that was it, you know? And it was after that, that, yeah, the crowd started looking different. <laughs> like they started, you know, it was a lot more white kids, yep. um, but it was just a lot kids, bro. They came through, but it was just a lot more people in general. And, and yeah, yeah. Local hip hop shows started selling out that year. I also yeah. though, like that was, that was one aspect of it. Right. But I think the other aspect of it that I think is really important is um, we all really rocked with each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, no, that's like, bro, that like was the, key. There wasn't like there was there was a sense of competition in who's going to have the best show. But absolutely. But there wasn't a sense of competition like nobody ever tried to cut anybody when it came to money. We all were genuine fans of each other. We promoted each other's work. We were excited about doing bills with each other. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. like we all really genuinely liked and supported each other's music, you know? Across camps, across crews. And it was just so many of us putting out music at the at the same time, you know, Scholars, yeah. Macklemore, uh, all the Sport and Life cast that you mentioned, um, our first record, Cancer Rising, um, oh, Orb, yeah. Orb was doing stuff, um, all the Old Dominion cats, Grayskull, you know what I mean? Like, uh, even Chocolate's first album was around that time, you know, like it was, yeah, it was, it was a really, really special time period, man. Yeah, yeah. no, it was, it was dope. It was dope. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was actually like around my first questions, but I'm asking it to you now. <laughs> since we're talking since we're talking about Seattle, uh, you represent the South End harder than probably any rapper I know. Why why is that so important to you to represent? Oh where man. You're from? That's a good ass question, Pam. All right, look, first of all, man, Seattle is like it's 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 thing, right? There's a Seattle out there. Like when you hear people talking about like doing Seattle memes and they go, uh, you know, or, or like, you know, like the, the, the general talk about what it is out in, in the rest of the country, that mm -hmm. Seattle exists, but it's right. not the one I grew up in. Right. You know what I mean? Like I didn't grow up in a place where you hear English every day. You know, I didn't grow up in a place where you like, like, there were definitely kids around here who liked grunge. My sister loved grunge, but, like, it wasn't the norm. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, it didn't dominate what we were going through. It was a thing that happened up north. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like it's, like, it's funny because I'll be talking to cats who live in the CD. They feel super connected to the rest of the city. And it makes sense because they're literally right there. But if you talk mm -hmm. to folks, especially from the deep south or from, like, uh, White Center, like, because they're yeah. so cut off our worlds don't, they don't extend that far north that much. Mm -hmm. Everything we're about and like is in the neighborhood. Like I don't, everything I need is here. All the, most of the people I know are here, you know what I'm saying? And if I need something that's not here, it's, it's over on the West side. And I just gotta go over there. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't need to go up there for nothing. Yeah. Uh, I think also with the way that like racism works in the city, like it just, it mm -hmm. felt like, I mean, there was still the heavy police presence, but if they weren't around, it was like a pressure was lifted off of you to have to like be or do something or like that just walking down the street was the bad idea. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, it was, uh, so like that sense of freedom, that sense of like connection, that sense of like the place I belong, you know what I'm saying? Whereas in the rest of the city, it always felt like, you know, you were getting either patronized or like 
looked down upon for immigrating from somewhere. Here, it was the norm. So you had people you could talk to about like the disconnect that you're having with your parents because of like literally different cultural values. You know what I'm saying? Being able to even get that language, I wouldn't have that language if it wasn't for like, I mean, in this case, a bunch of Filipinos talking about their life. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have the language to explain these disconnects and, and like how this is working. And like, I felt like it gave me this sense of like really dope local pride, but recognizing that this locality, this one area is now connected to like 80% of the world. You know what I mean? Like things that are happening, things that are happening in East Africa are affecting the emotional living day-to-day serious, like, like things of a person who lives in my building. You know what I mean? That's things right. that are happening throughout, you know, Southeast Asia or even like Central North America, wherever, wherever we're all coming from, those things have an effect on the people here, which has an effect on all of us. And so you have a tendency to know or want to know like, oh, what's going on? Just to make sure your homeboy is okay. Cause they're telling you, oh man, this happened back home or something like that. And so you start getting this thin feeling that we're kind of more connected. Mm-hmm. Plus I, plus I felt like, like, especially a lot of the like more, like mainstream outlets of media talk shit about us. About That's right. Yeah. And like, man, I'll tell you what, man, don't nothing to give them a fucking pride. Like some, somebody else trying to talk shit about our shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's, I feel like that was the thing. Like I really wanted to be like, no, I'm not from Seattle. I'm from South Seattle. I'm from that's the right. South end because you're going to get the context wrong. Yeah, you're going right. to think that I'm sitting in fucking easy street records. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or you're going to think, you know, Frazier. You know, like, okay, yeah, yeah, going to Starbucks or some shit like that. You're going to yeah. get it wrong. You know what I'm saying? You're going like, to think, think sleepless in Seattle or something. <laughs> right. You're going to think, yeah, you're going to get it wrong. You're going to think, you're going to think yeah. this. I'm like, nah, bro, that's not my life. Yeah. You, some of that is, you know, you take menace to society and you add a couple coffee shops that are local, then you kind of got my shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, that's such a quote. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't, yeah. So it's like I was always like, "Yo, I wanted, I want that to be understood." I feel like that, mm-hmm. and I feel, I feel like that because I feel like you know, even cats on the CD, they like they would get, even though they were more connected to the city, their their connection to the city from I feel like, especially through the eighties and nineties, was people just putting negative energy on it. You know, absolutely. What I mean? mm-hmm. And so like. And then they took all the land again. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, man. And so like, yeah, there's like, I have this, I have this affinity because of that for like the parts of the city that I feel get ignored or like where the culture isn't the same as it is. It's not that you know, like cookie cutter culture and we, and it doesn't get recognized. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So yeah, that's why I like, you'll hear me yell West side a lot. I'm not talking about West Seattle. I'm not talking about California Avenue fam. I'm talking about <laughs> white center and my family inside there, which is like, you know, I'm from the South end. So that's like, I feel like that's like a, yeah. a revolutionary act. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, <absolutely. laughs> Man, it's such a good record. What are, what are some of your favorite moments on the record that you hope people like you in on? You know? Um, Probably the number one thing is, uh, a safe place for us the actual song yeah i feel like it's one of the better songs that i've ever written mm. that's, that's um, saying a lot i appreciate that that's saying a lot uh, i thought kim just murdered that hook it really captured how i felt and like in not just in the lyrics but also in their voice yeah their delivery is ill on there for sure <sighs> commortal 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 just like go google that if you don't know who i'm talking about yeah man. absolutely <laughs> um, and uh 
Yeah, with the, like the organ. I think for me, it was, even though it's not directly, I don't feel like it's like directly um, saying like, oh, I am recognizing like these cycles in me, but it is the song where I'm like most directly taking responsibility for the way that I feel. Mm-hmm. And in a way that's not about like guilt or shame, which is very difficult for me. Like I, I, through the process of making this album, I'm re- I'm realizing again how much guilt and shame have kept me safe mm. Mm. in my past. The things that they, the places they made me go, the things they wouldn't let me do, um, they promoted a sense of safety for me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and. But now they aren't. Now they're endangering me and they're endangering my son to grow up, to also look at guilt and shame as a protective cover. Um, And so it's like learning how to be responsible for my actions and things that I have done that have hurt folks without using guilt and shame as a blanket to protect me from further hurt, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, that song encapsulates that moment, you know, like I'd rap pretty abstract, but like that, that first verse is just the explanation of what was happening in the world around me. You know, it was like mm-hmm. the sun's red skies full of clouds. It was during when it was when everything was on fire, you know, essentially. Right. And just sitting there and thinking and like, um, um, some things take time, but we want everything now. It's like, I'm realizing like, I'm trying to be like perfect or whatever. And I'm trying to, I'm just trying to like be this person, but it's gonna, it's gonna take time. And I have got to stop feeling bad for not being like the, this shining best version of myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm from the gutter, man. Like I'm doing okay. And it's, and it's like, it's all right to feel, it's all right to feel all right. It's okay to feel okay yeah. sometimes. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, no and so person. like that, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing is kind of like what that verse is breaking down. Like, and then, and the second verse is like, just trying to be like, look, I know that I have been a part of hurt and I am not going to let feeling bad about that continue to make me hurtful for folks. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. in the end, when I look at it, I feel like this shame and this guilt that I'm carrying is at this point now becoming a reason why I strike out at other people. Mm-hmm. So it's literally making me the thing I, I feel bad about. So then I just keep feeling bad. You know what I'm saying? And I'm yeah, caught up in the cycle. And like, yeah. So I'm trying to, trying to like smash on that. Like, no, I, I can accept responsibility without this, like, this, this need to torture myself in order to like somehow redeem the fact or whatever, you know what I mean? Like that, that has to got to go. That's not even really honoring the fact that I've hurt people. You know what I mean? Like I'm not taking it fully in. I'm using the guilt and shame to protect myself from the full brunt of it. And like the whole, the whole first half of that second verse is in the same cadence and Mm -hmm. everything as this brother Lynch verse. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and like, I felt in a, in, a, in a real way that, I mean, that's what I listened to in my youth, you know what I'm saying? Especially from this out record, that record, Season of the Sickness, that, um, and that song, right? Which is like, rest in piss. Which is like, it's about, it's a... You would hear it at every single barbecue in the South and it was yeah. like, what are those songs like growing up? Like that Brother Lynch song was one. You knew the lyrics It was everywhere. Too. 
even if you didn't have the album. <laughs> like it was yeah. one of those. Yeah. yeah. And like if you look, it's it that album mm-hmm. has like Blood and Lynch has had a profound effect on my style of rapping. Like mm. the, the cadences I use, the way I go fast and then I slow down. Right. Boom. That's all Lynch, man. And then I my my subject matter is more um I always say like Tribe Call Quest. That's mm-hmm. that's where my heart is. But the way that I rap is over here. You know what I mean? And your, like your, your content's like Tribe Called Quest if they read Bill Hooks early. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. But also like like I also mean like the sonics of it all. I got like you. The, I like keys yes. and I like break beats and Yeah. But um yeah, so that whole first half of that follows that same pattern as his as half of his verse, right into the point where I say, um, I carry a lot, but I won't break. I know what you saw. I know what you thought, and it's okay. I know what you thought. Mm. Like, and the line before that is, I've been facing a lot of my old pain. And from that point on, the song deviates. It's no longer matching his verse. Right. It's a different thing. And it's like, it's more, it's me now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because like, in a real way, that ability to be like okay and accept these things without trying to run from it in any way allows me to then like be who i am and not who i am covered in guilt and shame Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so like that song really sums that up for me and i i realized that making that song and listening to it has been a huge part of like my growth recently yeah i think my second song after that is the one where i like i sampled the drake thing um it's called Jenny. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jenny. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's named after a character from the fucking John Woo Chow Yun Fat movie, The Killer. <laughs> okay, I didn't. I did not know where the name came from. Until yeah, right yeah. <laughs> Khalil, some of the names. Khalil got like, secret stories behind some of these song titles. He told me not to tell y'all what one of them is, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where that name comes from, and because has like a little piano in it, and she used to play piano for the and like it's like and that movie is about the redemption of somebody, you know, too. Mm. So like. Um, and in that is the one where I kind of like, I accept that I'm going to have to forgive myself Yeah, and that it's not disrespectful to anyone that in, in, in a real way, forgiving yourself mm-hmm. because it leads to less like, like negative behavior yeah. is really the only way to honor the people who've been hurt by your negative behavior. Is mm. to not do it, right? You have to change. Right. That's the only way. But the only way to really get there is to forgive yourself. Yeah, yeah. And as I always say, to forgive yourself doesn't disrespect the ones you hurt. It honors them and says we're worth the work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, like, those two songs together, I think, and then and then No Perfect Person at the end of that, which is, like, that was the one that was the most response from to, like, some things you said, like in the first verse or the verse of your first song, like okay. that was like super inspired by that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad because and, that because um, that, then you asked me to get on that song and you and yeah, and it pushed me some different ways, you know. So that's what's up. Yeah, yeah. Those those songs are kind of like if the first song is me literally just breaking down like all of these feelings that I'm having and feeling unconfident and like all this shit, then like it kind of just progresses that as I share things with my friends and things get put out, I start feeling better, you know, and like Mm -hmm. get to the point where I'm not alone. Yeah. I feel like music is, it really is about healing for you, you know? Very much. Yeah. Like, like, like everything you just described is like, 
it's healing from your past. It's like, man, you talked a lot about self-forgiveness, being a more full person, like, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I resonate with all of it. And, and yeah, it just reminds me, like, I think we're alike and I don't, I don't know how I'd be on this planet without that outlet, without that music, without that ability to, to put this mirror up to myself, you know, and like really look at who I am really and who I could be, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. You say that's true. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's one of those, I mean, I feel like there's like three or four things mm-hmm. that are like core to who we are yeah. that are, that are like similar to each other. And Word. that's why our friendship is so locked in. Yeah. Um. But yeah, definitely. That's definitely one of them. Like, yeah, being able to have something that lets me see, like a mirror, essentially. Yeah, the music is one. Let's go on that. Well, I like that. The the thing, the things that uh that 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 are unique about our friendship. You know. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I like I, li- I like that. I think another one is um, and something we haven't even really touched on, but I just think it's like underneath and in everything, even if we don't speak to it, but is um just this ongoing quest to like redefine masculinity and like be, yeah. be our full selves, you know, because patriarchy has harmed us as much as, you know, it is harmful on yeah. the planet. And yeah, it's like my friendship with you is one of the safest friendships I think I've had with, you know, a male body person in my life probably, you know? Yeah. And, easy. Yeah. And it's because of that, that I'm able to, to connect with others in a deeper way, I think, and be more of myself, you know? Yeah. You, we really started kicking it right at the moment that I was really looking at those like questions and you were literally my only homeboy. Yeah. That was like wanting to talk about that shit or wanting to like Mm -hmm. embody that asking questions about like, if this is what I want, how does this affect the way I'm about to act? You were it like, and I had, I mean, most of the homies was on some like righteous shit, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Queen this and queen that, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But uh, you were the homies, only one that homies, was about our, action. Our homies were hoteps before hoteps were were a thing. <laughs> you know? Hoteps, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the word, bro. The, so word, like... the word, the word, the word hadn't even been coined to mean what it means yet. But means, yeah, but that was out. That's there, what that was, was though. <laughs> yeah, peace, queen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, so they was out there and like, but it seemed like for a lot of them, and mind you, I mean, everyone's grown up now. Of course. But it just seemed like it was that era. for a lot of cats, that rhetoric, it was just another piece of game, really. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There wasn't, the actual transformation of the self yeah. was not important. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was just, this is the way that I'm going to score. Yeah. <laughs> like, people, all right. people weren't wrestling with themselves. They weren't wrestling with the fact that, you know, as oppressed people in this country, you know, we also are oppressing others, you know, and how do we deal with, how do, yeah. how do we deal with that? How do we become better people that are, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 You, were, you were it, man. I, I, I say it to you all the time, man, if, it, if you hadn't been there, no. I don't know where I would be. I don't think I would be. Same way. You know I mean? like, same way, bro. I don't even know. Like, it's, I can't imagine, you know? And also, a, a big part of it is like, I think about moving to New York because a lot of that conversation, like, you moved to New York pretty early on. Yeah. What year was that? 01, 02? Uh, I think it was, it was early 02. 02. Because I, I was out there for, 
basically for 9-11. You were there in 9-11. Yeah, so like... That was yeah, 01. I, and I moved... Yeah, I moved to spring after that. So that's like, that's 02. And then I think I must have came... Wow, I must have came like six months later or something. Because I think I was there by the end of 02. That can be about right. By like, like November, December. You know, I know I was there for like things taken and Christmas and stuff like that that year. Yeah. 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 <laughs> man, bro. Brooklyn, man. Look. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, hey, specifically Brooklyn. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Very much. Yes. Thank you very much. I, 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 I can never pay you the debt I owe you. <laughs> New York as a whole. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Thank you very much. You know what I'm saying? Uh, East Coast, specifically being able to use like, you know, like get to New Jersey Transit and then take that to the SEPTA so I could kick it in Philly. Thank you very much. Philadelphia, thank you very much. Oh, the Chinatown bus. Don't forget that. (laughs) Oh, there's a lot even. Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the Chinatown bus. $10 to Philly. Come on. (laughs) Let's go up to Boston because I was going up to, to, to Lowell. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, please keep it real. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the Chinatown bus. Yeah, ten dollars. I appreciate you from Chinatown to Chinatown. Get your money. I'll always support you. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. It's funny because we are such a South End centric group, but I feel like that time that we spent in New York, even though it wasn't that long for me, it was probably it was less than a year actually. But I know I was mad. <laughs> yeah, it was less than a year that I was out there. You were out there for some years. I was there for less than yeah, a year. Yeah, I was out there. Yeah. But that was where we, like, I remember it was on a subway where you were like, I wish we could just call ourselves Abyssinian call Creole. Creole. Yeah. I was like, that was it. Because we spent, like, <laughs> we spent a couple months going back and forth on group names. You know, we we're, we're, New World Nomadics or something like that. Yeah, I think we had, we were calling ourselves the Nomadics for a minute. I mean, we didn't put anything out or do any shows with that yeah. name, but, you know, we were thinking about it. Recording songs with the homie Ian Head, you know, like... All of that, like that, that time period, like, I don't know if we would have gotten to making Sexy Beast, like what, what became oh, yeah, our no first way. album, if we hadn't spent that time in New York, you know? Yeah, no, that was crucial, man. Man, yeah. remember going out and doing like those random, like, open mics up at oh, yeah. NYU? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, at, like, uh, yeah. NYU and, um, where did, uh, uh Hunter, Hunter, Hunter College. Book. Yeah, Hunter. Oh, yeah, we was in Hunter, bro. Yeah, Hunter. I was College. in Hunter like at least a couple of times a week. Yeah, cause uh, I I worked there. I remember like, yep, yeah, didn't nobody have a computer at their house at that point, so I would go to Hunter and use the computers and like, <laughs> yeah, man, special times, man, special times. I feel like, man, that New York period for me was like, because like. One, like growing up in Seattle for whatever reason, just oh, you know, you get that feeling the city don't want you there, you right? I mean? So you kind of feel out of place. New York felt like home when I got there, yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of things that I felt like, um, aspects of my personality that New York like, uh, like nurtured mm-hmm. and like was like, oh, that's cool, 
Yeah. You know, like as for like here, especially like in the nineties, it'd be like, oh, black people don't do that. Like every exactly. time you want to do something, someone telling you black people don't do that. Black people like, don't. Up, black people can't skateboard. Black people can't yeah. listen to rock and roll music. Black they don't. They don't read a lot. Yeah, yeah. It was like, bro. I'm like, yo. I'm getting really offended, not mm-hmm. by you saying this, but by the things you think that we can't do. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, why? You think we a bunch of invalids? We can't do shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's mm-hmm. annoying as fuck. Then I got to New York, and it's like that didn't happen. It wasn't even questioned. Like your identity yeah. was just never ever questioned. <laughs> didn't matter yeah, what you ever. were into, you know, what hobbies, what music, what what style of dress you were into. Like none of that. Like your blackness was never questioned. You Question, know, yeah, you couldn't. Yeah, you wasn't getting away from it. Like it was like, yeah, no. What do you mean? Yeah, that that, that never even. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't a thing. I really hope that everyone who's grown up in a predominantly white environment, you know, or even in a predominantly white city in a corner that's not predominantly white, like it's still a white place. Yeah. I hope you get a chance in your life to move to a place where it's more most of the people look like you because- especially at a younger age like i feel like that just gives you so much space to imagine who you can really be you know without this added you know pressure yeah of being in a white space exactly yeah, yeah of having yeah of, yeah of having to conform to something that someone made up that someone made up that's not even real like yeah mm-hmm. yeah people just doing their thing they're not you know, you know like oh man people can just do their thing that's yeah, <laughs> no, it gave us. I think for both of us, it gave us space to just be our whole selves. I know for me, it made me start walking faster. Um, it made me a more assertive person. You know, um, New Yorkers are very assertive. Some people say New Yorkers are rude, but I think it's the exact opposite. New Yorkers are very kind. You know, mm-hmm. um, but in general, yeah. But you're just not. They're going to tell you what they're thinking, and that's kind. It's it's actually yeah. a lot more rude to not tell people what you're thinking, which is what happens a lot on the West Coast, especially the Northwest. <laughs> and the further nor- and the further north you go, it gets worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's crazy. It's epidemic out here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I appreciate it. I feel like being in that environment, like yeah, helped me grow up. I, like when I tell people, like my name's Kings. It's up from Martin Luther King County here, but it's also Kings County in Brooklyn. That's yeah. I did a lot of growing up out there. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I still think yeah. of it as as a home as well, man. Like, also because I went back in 2010 and stayed for longer that time. Yeah, <laughs> or 2009 to both years, 2010 too. But yeah, man. Yeah, um, it's like that, and then the Bay Area. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You were in the Bay for how many years? It was a while. Yeah, I don't know, like three or four. Yeah, five. Six? I, don't know. I was out there, bro. I was out there. Yeah, I missed the yeah, day again. Too, yeah, man. to Oakland specifically. Oh yeah, thank you. Okay, thank. Wow, thank you. Everybody I've ever dated since then also says thank you. Good job, Oakland. Word up. Into the Bay Area as a whole. Thank you. I hell appreciate you. That's real talk. Hell, we appreciate you. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, man, there's a lot of Bay Area love on my record too. <laughs> not to not to just talk about the album, but I could. I just, I just thought of it. Like, yeah, Jennifer. I mean, go ahead, go ahead. My back, my back. No, it's all good. Yeah, like it kind of trips me out because most of the people on the record are from Seattle, but 
number two on there is the Bay because you got Jennifer Johns, you got McClee, you got Aisha Fukushima, who's from Seattle but also lived in the Bay for a long time. I don't know, it's a lot of Bay love, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of that baked into my record, especially when it comes to like the beat shit, mm-hmm. like um, "Pro Bay Vacay." Yeah, which even though I wrote that hook while I was in LA, like if you like that, bum, 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 that's like that old like Bay Area mob style, oh, hell like yeah. bass, like mm-hmm. that synth bass. Uh, Bats Maru also mm-hmm. like that. Um, mm-hmm. I I love that sound. You know what I'm saying? Like you know like. Seattle were like kind of like the Bay's little brother, you know what I'm saying? Definitely. I, I, so I grew up listening to a lot of Bay Area music, and like it's also like I feel like it gave me a good foundation because like some of it was like Souls of Mischief and Hobo Junction, you know what I'm saying? Shit like that. Some of it was like fucking Keep the Sneak three times crazy, you know what I'm saying? Some of it was too short. Some of it was E40. Yeah, a lot of it was E40. You know what I'm saying? I was gonna, like there was. I was gonna ask you about uh about forty. I don't know if I've ever asked you about this publicly, but your cousin produced on in a major way. Oh yeah, he got that's the first platinum plaque I ever seen was his cut. That's my cousin. Um, Ke- oh my god, now Kevin, 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 yeah, yeah, Kevin Gardner. Yeah, was what were were you and Kev like talking about music and stuff like that when he was doing that work? Like, no, nah, did you, I didn't did you even know? Did you know it was happening? Nah, I, I had no idea. I had that's no funny. idea. E forty was in Seattle at my uncle's house. Hell no, I didn't know. I would have been over there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know at all. It was really later. Um, my mom told my uncle Victor that I was rapping. Uh huh. And he goes, oh, yeah, Kevin still does his music. Him and Trevor still do music. Okay. I was like, oh, word? Yeah, because it was originally, uh, I think, uh, my cousin Trevor doing music. Uh, he's little, he's, He was the oldest of the two, and then Kevin got into it with him. And mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah, but, and I've worked with him a couple times, you know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah. I remember being at his at his studio with you yeah. one time. Yeah, yeah but I did, I, I did not know. I was, like, so surprised. Oh, yeah, and then also, like, then I had my other uncle, um, James Jim Gardner in the, he, in, the bay. in the bay yeah yeah and so like you know whether it was like Michael Jackson's off the wall or like the Looney's album right wow that's, that's one that's a little clip so the Looney's Operation Stackola was inside he... there it has it has credits for a Jim Gardner but I didn't because you know you would look wow. at the credits you know like because we would be reading them while we listened to it in the Walkman and stuff I seen him on so many albums Tony 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 da, 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 da. was he a producer but I didn't know or an engineer or what was he engineer doing? and okay. a producer but like a lot of it was engineering okay um, there was I was recording at his studio fire uh, wow yeah this dude worked with all kinds of people was like yeah no man Quincy <laughs> look I'm I feel like to, they, they, I think they went to high school together I'm about to look up Jim Gardner oh went to high school with Quincy Jones. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the same generation, but I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I'm about to I'm about to look this up, man. It's more some more Seattle and Khalil family history right there. Also, yeah, you- I didn't I did not know, man. Yeah, this is out here really. I mean, to be honest, man, it, to be honest with you, they've the people in my family that have gotten into music have done way more in it than I have actually. You know wow. what I'm saying? Like as far as industry wise, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because they 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 run studios and they're producers and they're engineers, so they've they've been in a lot of different spaces. As for me. I'm the one that was like only recently became more of a producer and engineer. Mm-hmm. I was just an artist for so long. Right, right. It's been dope watching that process. And thank you, Khalil. Thank you for, <laughs> for making me a producer this year. <laughs> yeah. So I made I made a majority of the beats on this album, and that just it just wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for you. Like you, you showed me Splice, and you told me that. 
I'm going to make a beat in 10 minutes after you show me this program. And I didn't believe you. And then I made two <laughs> and just never stopped since then. So thank you, bro. Yeah. Hey man, let's go. Yeah. Change, change my, change my whole musical life out here, man. <laughs> I'm so excited to see like what your beats are sounding like two, two, three years from now. Me too. Because I look back at the stuff that I made earlier this year and I'm like, ah, oh, that wasn't it. And I thought they was like amazing. You know? <laughs> Not the, yeah. Yo, it, and they are amazing. Here's the deal. They are amazing. You just, there's, you know more now. Yeah. That's the problem with making beats, man. They, they're always getting better. Right. So you can look back at your other stuff like it's not good. It's, it's still good. This this is better. Because <laughs> right. you know more. You understand what you like more, what sounds what you like more. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And like, yeah. And so, but, so it's more fitting to you, but we can't like just the moments because they do be hard still. Like, eventually you'll go back and listen to it like oh no this was hard I'm, I'm just, it just wasn't this yeah yeah i've learned a lot man i continue to learn you know um yeah. man what is this is this is the question that i ask at the end of every 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 interview man what is what is one thing you hope everyone gets from your music um i hope um i hope people get some joy out of it mm-hmm. i know there's a lot of heavy stuff on there but I hope that there's still like moments of joy, you know, like I feel like like Bad Tomorrow, we talk about a lot of heavy stuff, but like you can see when we're performing that we just we enjoy being together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I hope that there's like joy in it. I hope and maybe if if um if it helps people reevaluate the idea of forgiving themselves, mm-hmm. that'd be like maybe the highest calling. That's you know, right. to just sit and think about it and be like, yo, like Maybe it's not selfish. Maybe it is the best thing you can do for the people who care about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and and listen to fucking uh, what is that song called? It's the one between Jenny and Safe Place. It's like nah, 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 nah. it's like the, the ah fuck what you want? Oh what yeah, how <laughs> come I can't remember my own song name? Um, anyway, listen to that joint. Is it Shine? Okay, is it Shine and Said? Oh yeah, Shimon said that is a, that's an anime reference. Oh, Shimon, <laughs> that's an anime. It's an anime and a uh, what's my guy's name? I don't know. Get the fuck up. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Simon said, uh, "Feral Munch." Feral Munch. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a Gurren Lagann. Yeah. Feral Munch reference, and it has the but, and it has the feeling of the Simon said record by Feral Munch. I get it. Yeah. 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 So like. I want people to listen to that so I can do that at a live show because I want to fucking like, just like <laughs> set fire to an entire city to that song. That song, the whole point of me making that song was to do that song live. So like I need to get people, I just, man, everybody screaming. The bass is crazy live. Trust me, like just get into it. Yeah. Because um, I want to do a lot. That's hilarious. That song is hella different than everything else on the album, by the way. <laughs> it is. It's the catalyst point. From that point on, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with my healing shit. Right. But the but the but at that moment when I'm like, fuck, man, I got angry. You had to get like, into it. I wasted so much of this time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just fucking letting myself like, believe all this shit about me because of what? Mm. Like, what is this doing? And right. I just I was just angry. But I had to be, I was trying to be. I didn't want that anger to go here, there, or wherever. Like the first verse of that is just the anger coming out. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, fuck everybody. Yeah. The second verse of it is like, no, no, like, well, how do we really refine this to get to the point? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't want to use false pride. You don't need that. You don't need to hide. And you don't need to feel like dying every day. 
Right. That's what we want to get this at this thing. And that's what that whole like little breakdown part is. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back to screaming because it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it is fun to scream sometimes. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. Where well, man, Khalil, thank you so much, bro, for, for your time, for everything, for your music, for pushing me to make some beats. Um, yeah. And for being the longest healthy friendship in my life, bro. I can't thank you enough. Man, I appreciate man. you. I love you, bro. <laughs> I love you too. Shout out to my brother Kings, one of the best to ever do it from the South End or anywhere else. You know, in two interviews, I never asked him why. But the new album, A Safe Place for Us, is only available on his Bandcamp for now. Kings.bandcamp.com. That's K H I N G Z. I need to remember to ask him why it's only on Bandcamp. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who's rocking with me here on the Worldwide Underground. Appreciate you all so much. If you haven't subscribed, please do so over on gabrielteodros.substack.com. We've got some very special guests lined up the next few weeks. Acclaimed author Maza Mengist is going to be here. The acclaimed filmmaker Marawi Garima is going to be here. Very excited about those episodes. And uh, we'll see where the journey takes us next. As always, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and we'll see you real soon. Thanks for being here. Worldwide Underground. GT signing out. Peace.